Trash Crusaders, welcome to episode three of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where terrible and incredible are one in the same. It is me, your guide through trash cinema, your friendly neighborhood garbage can, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we are heading to Valentine Bluff for one of the trashiest, bloodiest, most heartfelt slashers of all time in our very special Valentine's Day gift to all of you my bloody valentine but before we get into that let me introduce you to the beefiest boy on the block oh my beautiful co-host patrick schweiger patrick how are you i'm good i i wonder when we say beefy are we referring Mm. to our asses i mean your ass is a heart slab of marble of more is it more tortured beef is it more like like a is it it grass fed I mean, is, oh, is it more man, like a feeling sure. like it's it's like kind of an ethereal thing? Like you can't really describe what beefy is or are we just talking about our fat asses? I guess is I like a mixture of our fat asses and the ethereal, the ideology of beef. Sure. It's, I thought the smell was what you're referring to. Ooh, see that? I hope not because I don't want to smell like beef. <laughs> I mean. Who doesn't want to be smell like me? And on to our very special, very bloody co-host on today's episode. She's our special guest, and her name is Taylor Wall. Taylor, how are you? That is my name. I'm great. Thank you. You might want to go to a hospital if you're bloody right now, according to Kate. Well, you know, a little blood is always okay. Sure. A healthy dose of blood every day, I think, is always good. I found out recently. Directly out of the mines. Mm, hey, there you go. Directly out of the mines, just she's just hit a couple dead bodies. She's come directly to our show. And, I found um, out this week that I have O positive blood. Do you guys know your blood type? No, I'm O positive as well. Hell yeah! Look yeah, at that us. Means, that it means it was meant I, to be. I probably Cameron. could give you a, a kidney when you need it, right? Oh yeah, we we can oh, trade kidneys. This is recorded, so now if he needs one, like yeah. you're gonna be guilted into that now. Oh I, no, I will never be guilted. I would gladly give you my kidney. I would like. I would give you my kidney too, Taylor. In a heart-shaped box. In a heart-shaped box. Yes. Hey, we call that uh, topical. Genius. Yes. Genius. Topical. Topical. All right. Well, before we jump into the episode, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Don't forget, you can always be on the show by emailing us your thoughts, questions, um, and you know ideas wait I don't know. so this isn't special that i'm on the podcast anyone Damn. can be on this well i'll be i think he means special. via the written word you can be on the podcast oh, okay. okay via the written word by emailing us at save trash cinema at gmail.com or you can dm us on twitter at save trash cinema or on instagram at save trash cinema as well i do also want to let you know that we have merch some yeah. beautiful t-shirts with your favorite new podcast logo on it. So if you are interested in that, you can reach us, like I said, at any of those avenues, and we will gladly talk to you about that. All right. I do want to say um, that this episode today is in remembrance and dedication to actor Paul Kelman, uh, who played lead protagonist TJ in the film. Unfortunately, earlier this week, Mr. Kelman passed away at the age of 72. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Um, and we wish them all the best in this trying time. May his sweet soul rest in peace, Cayman. 
Indeed. Well, with that out of the way, let's jump into a little overview of My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine, not to be confused with the 2009 remake starring Beef Hunk Jensen huh? Ackles, is a 1981 Canadian slasher directed by George Milhaka and written by Stephen Miller. No, not the racist Stephen Miller, the screenwriter Stephen Miller, as well as John Beard. The director and the writing team would go on a nominal success in the TV industry, but not much else. The film itself revolves around a decades-old folktale surrounding a deranged murderer, Harry Warden, killing those who celebrate Valentine's Day. The legend turns out to be true when a group defies the killer's orders and people start turning up dead. The film runs for a hot 90 minutes in its theatrical release format, but in 2020, boutique DVD label Scream Factory released an uncut and definitive version of the film that runs for 93 minutes. This cut of the film restores the original gore from the kill scenes that were cut out from the film to avoid an X rating. According to the makeup effects artist Thomas R. Berman, one of his gory creations was realistic enough that George Mahaka threw up at the side of it. So my question to both of you is, which kill scene do you think caused him to throw up? So Hot dog flavored water. Hot I, dog think, flavored. I think that one, or I don't, was it a specific kill scene or just something that the makeup artist did? Because even that that heart that we see of the, mm. of uh, like the first heart we see, it's pretty gross. Like I wonder that if he true. was like, so thrown up by that. I have that a question. That is true. Yes. It's interesting to me that I think the only unrealistic thing about this movie, the only unrealistic thing is that Harry Warden decides to kill people who celebrate Valentine's Day. Like, do people care enough about Valentine's Day that you would go killing everyone for it? I mean, he's got a reason why he's pretty pissed off. And I feel like if I was Harry Warden, I'd be pretty fucking pissed off, too. Sure. But. We'll get we to will that. get into why also, Harry Warden I've, is pissed off. I've wanted to kill people for less, so I think uh, that okay. is believable. Fair. Yeah, fair. <laughs> it's very true. This is America, guys. Well, Canada. This is oh. this is Canada, guys. So yeah, who so, knows like, what they everything do up is there. on the table, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. These guys, these guys are up there. Um, I do want to point out that the film currently sports an impressively high fifty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, making it the highest Rotten Tomato score of any film we've covered so far on Save Trash Cinema. With that out of the way, though, I do want to jump into some initial thoughts. So, Patrick, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about what you think about My Bloody Valentine. I, I'm i going on record, Cayman and Taylor, today. Get out your pens and papers. We're going on record to say a 58% on Rotten Tomato is highway robbery. Highway robbery. This film should be at least 85 on Rotten Tomatoes. This film rules. I was so scared watching it after having to watch Samurai Cop last week that this was just going to hurt hurt me in several ways. And I had a bloody good time, Cayman. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Taylor, give us some thoughts that you have about My Bloody Valentine. I watched the 90-minute version first this week and loved it. It's so good. I love the 2009 remake. I was expecting the worst and... I mean, two great films. And then I watched it again with the extra three minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's just like Valentine's Day came early. Mm. So good. The kill scenes are by themselves. Like you said, much higher rating deserved. So good. So good. Well, with those initial thoughts out of the way, let us begin the show. My bloody Valentine, everyone. In the town of Valentine Plus. 
There are many ways to die. Take your pick. My bloody Valentine. Cold open. Miners are walking through a mine shaft, yet they aren't miners at all. One is a buxom blonde. She undresses before the other miner. She attempts to undress him, but he refuses. Upon seeing the heart tattoo on her breast, he slams her into a pickaxe lodged into the wall. Title screen. My bloody Valentine. I will say a minute 45 into the film and there's a woman in her bra with like a heart tattoo. And I'm like, Mm. oh boy, here we go again. Here we go. And I'm glad you know, I'm, I was very uh, relieved to say that that was the only time I said that in this movie. There is no nudity in the film. There is not really even sex scenes in the film. There's a couple times where people try to get a little hot and heavy. It gets cut short, though. Sure. Mm-hmm. But this she- scene in particular is easily the sexiest scene in the entire film. Because if you know what, like if you've seen a miner's gear, they have like a ventilation tube that like runs off their mask. She straight up handy job. She, she gives it a stroke. She a couple strokes. gives it a quick old jerkin. Yeah. And my thought is, so the finishing goes back up into his mask, into Has his to. mouth, like Has his own to. mouth. Yeah. This so. is a real succession moment for those of you who watch succession. I don't know what any of oh, that means. I don't. But finishing I in, in, like in, in your own mouth. Succession. Oh, yeah, Ooh, there's a scene. Okay. Season one. Tom. Oh, Lee. right off the bat. Mm. Well, my the very first the, note I wrote is yes. Damon's like salivate, like clearing out his mouth. <laughs> like, I don't want to think about that. The very <laughs> first <laughs> note I wrote. Uh, I actually I didn't take very many notes in this movie, but the very first one, because I was so busy enjoying it. Very first note I wrote was, quote, did my bloody Valentine walk so that Chernobyl could run? Because these gas mask boys are spooky. They are spooky. So I, I asked oh, that question. Terrifying. Did, did my bloody Valentine walk so that Chernobyl could run? When when was Chern- Chernobyl? Was in the eighties, right? Oh, I'm talking about the HBO series from like two years ago. <laughs> Not the actual. Yeah, my question is: yes. Do you think they caused Chernobyl because oh. of this movie, Let's so see. that they could do when a miniseries? Chernobyl happen? to do that. When did Chernobyl happen? Ooh, Ooh. April twenty sixth, nineteen eighty six. Oh, I oh. think this caused Chernobyl. Guys. Are we uncovering a conspiracy on air right now? This is Am a whole I separate the podcast blooming right now. Ooh, we don't say that name here. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Moving on. The film cuts to a bunch of miners shooting the shit. The miners shower off and head into the town for quote-unquote bruise and broads, which I think is easily the most Canadian thing I've ever heard. I didn't realize that Something that I really need in more movies is minor banter. Mm. There's something special about just a group of guys that spend all day together in the depths of the earth and the little jokes that they can make to each other. I just I think we need more of it. And then there are like Irish accent pieces coming out in this Uh too. And they're in this open air shower. One's like a cowboy Canadian Irish miner. It's just it's. Like you said, I didn't know I needed this, but I did. Yeah. I think if if they were to remake this movie again, 
in a post in a 2022 world in a second remake and a second remake there would definitely be some some romance within some of these boys oh yeah for oh sure. yeah there's definitely some sexy energy and speaking of sexy energy according to director george milhaka the actors and extras playing minors in the group shower scene were genuinely mm. naked even though they were only filmed from the chest up. You know, I like Even that. Even though it was totally unnecessary. Interesting. Okay, hold on. So have you guys ever noticed? So they're like, back in the day on Cinemax, you had like the Skinemax. So you would have like the softcore porn, right? Yeah. I, I found this I out recently. Apparently the softcore porn films that they would shoot, they would sh- like edit them to be softcore, but they're actually originally hardcore porn Interesting. Films. And I genuinely believe that this started as like a reverse where it was like, we're shooting a softcore porn and then we're just going to edit it down to just turn it into an R rated film. Could be. So I'm waiting for the day that Scream Factory releases like an hour and th- or like a <laughs> 130 minute cut of the film. The and Snyder it is cut. Just dudes boning each other in black and white on a in black screen. and white. And they're going to say multiple times throughout the film. In a society, mm-hmm. and that's all they're gonna fucking Great. say. Uh-huh. So the town is Valentine Bluff, population three thousand seven hundred, presumably all miners. Everyone in town is preparing for the big Valentine Day's dance. The mayor of the town mentions offhand that this is the first Valentine's Day celebration in twenty years. And might I say, a little bit of foreshadowing Spooky. for what's to come. Indeed. There's a lot to unpack here, too. Uh, the town's Valentine's Day budget, Valentine's Day of all holidays. Mm. The entire t- <laughs> parking meters, storefronts, all, every telephone pole has like thousands of hearts and streamers. I mean, they go all out. When the name Valentine is in the town name. Okay. I, well, kinda, this is literally the first time I thought that. that you is know true. what I mean? Like, it is... The self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm getting ahead of ourselves when they tell the story. This is a a tradition over a hundred years old. They've been doing this for over a hundred years. That's hundred years of dances. Hundred years of dances, guys. So my thing is that they say that the population, because it says it on the sign when they enter the town, is 3,700 people live here. However, there's a total of like four buildings. Yep. And then that's it. Yep. <laughs> and, like, and just the same 15 people yep. the whole yeah, time. Correct. We so only like, see about fuck yeah, else 15. lives in this town. Like no one has to live in this town, right? Like this is a lie. This is a well, ghost town. I think so. I also, I don't know that this is in our notes, but there's that scene when um, the cop, like they turn around to drive back and there's a, a like a real ass dog just chasing this car down the street. I'm pretty sure they just went to a small town that had a population of 3,700 and just filmed in it. And like that dog was just not on supposed to be on set. And I think oh, that's, no, that's an example of that. Not at all. Well, the mayor's son is back in town for the first time and is working at the mine, much to the chagrin of the other miners. It appears while leaving the dance hall, the mayor is given a box of chocolates. Shock. There are, there is no candy. In this box of chocolates, it's a human fucking heart. He grasps his chest and says repeatedly, it's happening again, it's happening again, it's happening again. Once again, 
foreshadowing. Yeah, to which my immediate reaction, not knowing the rest of the story, I'm like, excuse me, sir, what do you mean it's happening again? How often do you get a Valentine's box of candy with a human heart in it? But apparently this is what I love about it, though, is they genuinely try to attempt to set up this mysterious mythos like right off the bat. Yeah. And honestly, it works really well because it gets you invested into the story. And you want to know, like, okay, what the fuck? His emotional response is not like, holy shit, I thought this was chocolate. It's a fucking human heart in this box. It's like a disappointment, like, oh. Here we go again. Yeah. Like, no. what? <laughs> my God, I was really I, looking forward to the coconut filling chocolate man. that was going to be in this box. Uh, by the <laughs> way, the strawberry cream ones are the best. But anyway, yeah, everybody, coconut. So, actually, this is this is something I actually re- really would like to address on camera, on screen today. I'm a Whitman sampler boy. Are we familiar with Whitman samplers? What the fuck is of that? Course. It's the what? yellow. It's the yellow box, and then uh, in Valentine's Day they'll make uh, it into a heart shape. But sure, sure, sure. Uh, talk about a hundred year tradition. That, yeah, like, they're in every store yeah. every year. So yesterday, I'm going off topic here, but okay. Sure. Yesterday As I go to the do. store. I- I'm home alone last night. I'm like, you know what? I'm buying myself a goddamn Whitman sampler, and I haven't had one in probably ten years. They used to be very common in the Schweigert household when I was a kid. This shit. They, it, it's gone from like 60 pieces of candy in a box to literally 22. Most of my favorites, not in there anymore. What? Are they all mango? No, no, now? they're not. They do have a couple like orange cream kind of things, oh, which I'm not a huge fan of. But like there were these little toffee chips that were incredible. They had like dark chocolate almonds. They had these like almond peanut clusters. Half it used of that's to be gone. a true sampler. It used to be a true sampler. Now it's like, 11 pieces of candy on each row and which, you know, sounds like a lot, but when you knew the original Whitman sampler, 22 That's is so nothing. disappointing. Could you hold on? Could you imagine like if we started to do other things as sampler boxes too? <laughs> like you go to the fucking grocery store and you pick up a red lot, like a red lobster sampler pack. And it's just mm. like jumbo shrimp, coconut shrimp, biscuit, a, a biscuit thrown in. And you just get like a 20 piece assorted fucking shrimp bucket. It's like Whitman's Red Lobster Sampler. I mean, I think that's just that's just a, a grocery store that has similar to how like gas stations will have a subway. That's just a grocery store that has a Red Lobster in it. I think. I think point. we should start creating grocery stores that have Red Lobster. You could not degrade yourself worse by going just to a normal Red Lobster. Yeah. In this in this universe, you can degrade yourself by going to a fucking <laughs> grocery store Red Lobster. And I think as someone who used to work at a Red Lobster, you sure did. would be the worst fucking thing in the world. Yeah, well, that's the timeline I don't want to live in. We cut back to the bar where the miners are drinking. An old man at the bar tells the tale of the Valentine's Day dance of 20 years ago. I'm telling you now, this town is accursed. You know, it started 20 years ago. It was the night of the Valentine's Day dance, the Union Hall. The biggest event of the year. It had been a tradition for over a hundred years. Everybody was there except for seven miners who were out at the Hanager Mine. Five of them still down below. Two supervisors were waiting for the men to come up. <laughs> Anxious to get to the party, they left before the men were safely out. Failing to check the methane gas levels in the tunnels down below. The 
five men were buried alive as the town continued its party. <laughs> For six weeks, we dug around the clock to try to save them. After we broke through, one man was found alive. I was the one who found. <laughs> Harry Warden spent the next year in the state mental hospital. Exactly one year later, on Valentine's Day, he came back to town. He killed the two supervisors who had left the post the year before. Then he cut out their hearts and stuffed so them in heart-shaped candy boxes. That night at the dance, he found the boxes, blood dripping out the sides. Inside was a note. A warning from Harry, never to hold a Valentine's dance ever again. Every February 14th, Harry comes back to town. His pickaxe stained with blood, waiting in the shadows of the Henniger mine, just for someone to kill, should they not heed his warning. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like, that is the most metal scene of, like, probably any part of the film. But just so, like, it just does such a great job of, like, we've got the foreshadowing to set it up. Mm -hmm. And then we immediately go into the mythos of Harry Warden, which I have to say, as someone who's an avid horror fan, Harry Warden is easily the most underrated horror icon of all time. Like, he is such a badass. Like, his outfit is terrifying to look at. Oh, he's... Super frightening. Yeah, and it's just like we I don't know why, like we just seem to have completely avoided. And I guess that is technically the thesis behind Save Trash Cinema is to highlight and bring movies like this to a, a larger audience. Because you know, a lot of people do remember they remember the old 2009 film that came out. I guess it's not really that old. I'm old now. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're all fucking old guys. <clears throat> but you know, the 1981 film, it's like people don't really know of it. A lot of people didn't even know there was an original film. They sure. Assume that My Bloody Valentine 3D was was the film that did it. But but like this is where it starts. This is this icon. Like he's a fucking badass. And I would be killing people too if I were him. Like fuck you guys. I mean, Love if my ass trapped. <laughs> if this came out this year again, using that analogy, it would be in like an HBO Max exclusive, and then we would have like the origin story of harry warden as like a spin-off series and it'd be fucking oh. great probably oh no 100 100 percent. well the miners misunderstood <laughs> boom misunderstood the miners ridicule the old man and go back to their drinking back at the police station the mayor and sheriff talk about whether harry warden is still locked up they don't know if he is since the mental institute is closed for the evening we then cut Okay, I have a question about that. Sorry. So watching that clip just now, I started thinking, so they're calling to see if he's still there. Mm -hmm. But he comes out every Valentine's Day, like just to make sure no one's celebrating. Is he checking out and checking back in the next day? Like, yeah. hey, guys, I got to go Canadian take care of some business. system <laughs> is fucking baller shit. Way better than True. <laughs> okay, just wanted to clarify. I was like, wait, yeah. so he's checking out and then going back. Okay. That's the way it works. Well, we cut to the laundromat. A, a person in mining equipment leaves a Valentine's Day candy box on the table. 
inside Mabel, Taylor's favorite character. Yeah, in the we, we haven't film. even talked about Mabel yet. That's yeah. Oh, we're about to. Mabel with her heart hair clip, her heart cardigan, mm-hmm. putting together all the decorations. Mabel is who I want to be in life. And I own several pieces of heart clothing. My classroom looked like what this town looked like for every holiday. Uh, Mabel, bless her soul. I well, Mabel is the kind of woman that like, I hope is in my life at some point. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Like she's, she's going to take care of us. Like she, she'll just like drop by and have like a, a meatloaf that tastes like the best thing I've ever eaten. Like <laughs> oh, we need yeah. Mabel. We do. Well, unfortunately yeah. Mabel walks out to find the box. She opens or she reads the note on it and it says roses are red. Violets are blue. Someone is dead. Now you are too. She's immediately attacked by the miner, and he pickaxes her to death off screen. I love like her, like anytime we watch a horror movie, and I would probably do the same thing because I've seen it in so many horror movies. You're running away from them. You're trying to knock over as many things as you can to, to get in, sure. in the, the killer's way. But they're at a laundromat. So the best she can do is just open up all of the dryer doors as if that will slow him down in the slightest. But hey. I mean, in you gotta do, you gotta they do immediately it. like bounce back shut. Like, oh, no. right. <laughs> Damn it. No, he he's Harry Warden stops and just politely closes and latches them back in. It's like, oh, I'm not going to leave someone's laundry out in the open air. It has to finish drying or it will mildew. What a nice guy. This is why we need more Harry Wardens in our life. Sure. That's also what makes him terrifying, too. Anytime a serial killer's like, I've got the time to stop and do all this shit because I know I'm going to get you anyway. That's super terrifying to me. So it's incredible. He's like, go ahead, run. I'm still going to find you. Oh, we then move to the junkyard where we find TJ, the mayor's son left the town and his best friend. Axel is now hooking up with his girl. Sarah. (gasps) So we've now introduced a love triangle into the mix. Breaking the minor code, dude. Mm-hmm. You never do that. Then again, in, in Axel's defense and Sarah's defense, TJ apparently just straight up left. And we really aren't given much of an explanation as to why he left. We just know he did. Sure. Never so, any context. Lots of know, conversations about it. There's no when, where, or why. Just here's the question. He left. Is this foreshadowing? Oh. Ooh. Maybe. Oh. Well, the mayor and Cher finally get in contact with the mental institute and find out they have no records of Harry Warden at all. The mayor suggests canceling the dance out of caution. The sheriff then stops by the laundromat to see Mabel. As the sheriff is checking out the dryers for a stench that he can't seem to figure out where is coming from, (laughs) he opens one of the dryer doors Male Mabel's roasted, cooked, delicious looking body hmm. falls out of the dryer. The I mayor gas or the sheriff gas. He I'm so obsessed with the way he is investigating this this room. He's like, obviously, she's not here. There's things going through the dryer. So like it doesn't seem like there's anything afoot. But then the thing that catches his eye is that one of the hearts is upside down. And he's like, hmm. hmm something's not right here. And then all right. of a sudden, then he's like, Oh, something smells bad. And like, dude, if you're walking into a laundromat and it smells like a charred body, you're going to notice that from outside cooking mm. flesh. Yeah. Yeah. 
So here's my thing. Do you do you guys follow Bon Appetit, the cooking group? Yes. Okay. I don't yeah, know so, that I do. Okay, well, Bon Appetit has like a special YouTube series they do where they cook and I like cook some meal or cook some meat or whatever. Okay, like fifty different ways. So it's everything from steaming it to mm-hmm. roasting it to Spitfire to spatchcock chickens, whatever. Okay, you know what they've never done, and now I think they absolutely have mm-hmm. to do. They have to try to cook a chicken in a dryer. Sure. Like I now want to cook a chicken in my own dryer to see if it's possible so I can verify for this show whether or not you could cook a human body in a dryer. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe they might have some sort of like sensor to be like, hey, this is flesh. We're not turning mm. on. They probably don't, but they should. Well, I mean, it would be really like informational because I don't – if you ask me how long it takes to cook a chicken in a dryer – I don't know the answer to that. So I think that would be really helpful, actually. I did watch a video of someone. They've created a machine where they just slapped a chicken repeatedly. And it was like they had to slap a chicken like 56,000 times to cook it. So (laughs) I I feel like in theory, it is possible that you time you invested. It was like a fast, like whatever you call it when you do the video super fast, right? Surely, how yeah. long did you oh, dedicate yeah. to watching that, that I mean, video? the video is like 40 minutes long. I watched it to completion. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to find if it's possible to cook chicken in a clothes dryer. But there's a lot I mean, of links. it's possible, but there's we don't a lot know of links long. about cooking chicken with a blow dryer. Oh. oh. I feel like we should answer that question right now, too. Is yeah, it possible? I'm buying like three whole chickens I, today I, to do this. <laughs> there, So there are multiple articles about how to... Uh, cook a chicken with a, uh, an air dryer or a blow dryer. And then there's like one article from like a blow drying company that's like, we do not advise you cook chicken with a <laughs> blow dryer. So people, this must have been a trend at some point, And they were like, do not do this. Well, um, you know, okay, you come have- to save trash cinema for the movie. You walk away with pieces of information so using your regular life. As like a cook. if you were stuck on a deserted island and all you had was an electrical outlet in a dryer, and a raw piece of chicken. Guess what? It's gonna happen. You can fucking cook it. Mm-hmm. It's not recommended. Uh, I have but you can fucking a cook comment it. about Mabel's death scene here or discovery scene. Mm. Sure. So the extra three minutes includes her circling when he opens the dryer. There's like an extra five or six seconds of her just spiraling in the dryer. Oh yeah. Oh, it's that's not included solid, yeah. in the edited version. Mm. So yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. So we cut to and- we cut to immediately oh, after God. the Mabel death scene. The mayor is now speaking with the sheriff, and he suggests calling in additional help from a neighboring town. But the sheriff dismisses it in the hopes to stop a townwide panic. On the body, the sheriff finds another note saying there will be more deaths if the Valentine's Day dance goes on as planned. The note reads as follows: It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dance or it'll happen thrice. Mm. Which I have to also say, Harry Warden, this dude can rhyme. Like, oh, I definitely. feel like if he didn't get trapped in the mine at, and all of this shit happened to him, he would be the next Vanilla Ice. I mean, I, oh, I think it is fair ice. to say here that Harry Warden walked so that Lin-Manuel Miranda could run. Fuck yeah. Oh, he learned everything about rapping and rhyming from Harry Warden. Oh, a thousand a true poet. That's a that's a scoop. That's a new scoop. That's a, that's breaking news. Lin Manuel Miranda is a fraud. Harry Warden is the real one behind. <laughs> so, 
the sheriff meets with the local youths and or minors. We don't really know if they're youth or they're minors or if they're both. But he tells them the dance will be canceled. The kids push back, but the sheriff shuts down their advances. Okay. And like the kids, by the way, the methane gas clearly has gotten to all of them mm. in this little town. They're all in their 30s behaving like 13 year olds. Yeah. I couldn't figure out if they were actually supposed to be high schoolers just based solely on the way they were acting. But I realized, no, the high school is in their 30s. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that's what's weird. Like they're they're supposed they're like written to behave like high schoolers, but they've got full time mining jobs. Right. And so, yeah, you know. because another thing, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but all the times that they're like sneaking off to, to have sex. Yeah. I'm like you guys own houses. You're adults. Unless you all live at home with your parents still. I'm like, well, you don't need to be sneaking into the mine to have sex. Right. You own a home. You've got what some kind of hazardous there? job insurance that you're paying into each yeah. month. So you're good to go have sex or drink a beer. It's always like very, well, we're going to go sneak off to have a party. Like you can do that in the open. You're, if you adult. want. you're like, adults. Yeah. We're adults now. We don't have to sneak off to do these things. You know what they say, all work and no play mm. makes Harry Warren fuck some shit up. There it is. And that's what happens. We go back to the mine. This time, TJ and Axel are getting into a tussle. Cut to TJ and Sarah outside the local grocery store, where he forcibly, though she allows it. She, she likes it. Puts her in his car, and they drive, drive off to the coast for a sentimental moment. She asks him why he left. He blabbers on about needing to do so, but doesn't really explain actually why Never he left answers. anything. He just kind of <laughs> does. Then he tells her in such a sweet moment that he loves her. We have like a three-minute, like a two or two and a half to three-minute hard genre cut to where this is now yeah. a soap opera like mm. we we have left the, the 80s horror yeah right away. the music the shots the like background of like the the mountains or whatever i'm like oh this is like a love story all of a sudden and i'm here for it it's great this is also the first time where i was like wait this is a mining town on the coast yep i don't know a lot about mining geography but that seems like that could be problematic it does seem like it could be problematic i didn't think about i want to say that this was shot in nova scotia Ooh. it's a real mine okay so we'll, 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 we got some trivia later oh, on nova so next we see sarah she's walking home alone at night the tension is rising until she runs into the sheriff while he's out on patrol she's safe for now here's another thing too like the sheriff really drops the ball in every possible way. Just oh, tell yeah. the town that there is a potential murder around. Like, sure, you'll cause people to freak out. But then Sarah's not walking home alone at night. And like all these other things, people could could avoid being killed if you were just honest. You know, doesn't okay, tell her either. Hey, go home or like, hey, buddy up with someone. Just like, mm. yeah, no reference can, to anything. Can I just say that? I no. feel like the sheriff, thank you. I feel like the sheriff bungled this shit somehow worse than the U.S. bungled coronavirus. Oh, sh uh, life I mean, imitates it's, art. It's comparable. I mean, the we literally have went like, it's almost like no one in the fucking Trump administration watched My Bloody Valentine 1981. It's almost no, like it all. shows, dude. It, yeah, you're right. Shows. It's almost as if no one in Trump's administration watched My Bloody Valentine 1981. You're correct, Cayman. That's why I should be fucking president. Well, I'm president. So if I'm president, I'm saving trash cinema first and foremost. And We're going to have a comprehensive no old mental white men should be in charge. 
Uh, well, I agree. Yeah, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, Cayman, with having you as president, but I'm not not voting for you. I just, I have some questions. All right. Well, at the local bar, the youths are drinking and decide to throw a secret Valentine's Day party at the mine. Afterwards, we see the old man from the bar in mining gear breaking into a shed with a pickaxe. Oh, interesting. He rigs up the shed with a pickaxe and the mining gear to play a prank on the kids for disrespecting Harry Warden. After playing with the door a bit, he opens it up to find the mysterious miner with a pickaxe who immediately impales the old man through the face. It's rare for me that I am so relieved someone is murdered in a horror film. What? But this man needed to die. No, are yes. you serious? I'm so serious. He's just oh. a curmudgeonly, like he's not letting people have fun. He's out here. I love it. Dude, that's going to be me in like 50 years. Well, you're going down. Uh, Harry Warden's going to get you. Came in. Okay, I'm not going to make it to it's 81. It's a little bit I happening understand. now. <laughs> oh, yeah, Look. 100%. Look, I'm on the it today. They're I'm just trying to have a good time. This guy. <laughs> well, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop that from happening, Cayman. Because I don't I want to point out. This I'm is not. another great instance between the cut and uncut version. Um, from yes. I haven't I haven't seen the the cut version in a while. I, the, my I watched the uncut version myself. Um, uh, but as far as I know, you just see like Harry Warden's or the mysterious Meyer swing his axe up and then it cuts. So you don't yeah, see anything. So mm. We were texting about this because as mm. we were watching it together this week, you were watching the ninety three minutes and I was watching mm. the ninety minute. You only get like hints of death every time like you kind of see it start to happen and you never it's so unsatisfying and so when i watched the extra three minutes the eye popping out oh it's so, it's so good so sweet it's so, well, so like it's like all of the effects in this film they're all practical no cgi all these are traditional effects and so when you see the eye popping out scene like the effects to do that holy hell like it's inc so legitimately good. incredible that they pulled that off, and it's a very satisfying death from the viewpoint of like horror fans who who you know we watch this to kind of see how inventive and we it, can get. it like lingers for a second too. It's like oh, yeah. yeah, you see his eye popped out. Let's just like keep watching that happen. Oh, it almost okay. seems too like they wanted to do this in three D, and I want to say they actually did this in the remake. I haven't watched the remake in a while. But like the eye like pops out at the screen, so it almost mm. gives it the effect like it won because you know at this time they were still making. I mean, we had Friday the third, Friday the thirteenth, three D. So you know it was possible to do that. Uh, but the scene is like it's incredibly gory and, and a lot of fun just from the technical aspects. Yeah, I actually I really enjoyed. So I haven't seen the unrated. I haven't seen any of these deaths. I feel like not seeing them, in my opinion, served the movie in that it kind of made it added like an air of mystery and like sure. it added like a, a bit of like a a thrill to it like not knowing how these people were being killed just knowing that they were killed mm -hmm. but like i would be interested in seeing like watching those extra three minutes it, it is also it. super really good by itself like you yeah. said like there's this mystery like yeah i know they're dying but i'm not getting to see it and i'm still loving it yeah well that's what i think is fantastic is both films will stand up on their own regardless um you know i prefer mine to be whatever the director's original vision was but mm. i do like it <clears throat> like i like the idea that you can watch these two films and they're different enough that you're getting something 
So we get one, back. One we is see a, the sh- yes. one's a family film, right? <laughs> <laughs> one is indeed a family film. Yes. The sheriff arrives back at the police station where he's given a Valentine's Day box. He opens it to find chocolate. You find great chocolate. I love that. I, I love yeah. that so much. <laughs> it was a fucking this just throws it. And the smile on his face. Like he has yeah. a moment of joy in the middle yeah. of all of it. And it's knowing like it's it, finally done. Like it's and it, done. it being from Mabel. I was like, oh yes. Poor and Mabel. Yes, it indeed was from Mabel, which is like easily the saddest part of the whole film. Because yeah. you like you said, there is that moment where it is like this this like look of like relief on his face where he's like holy shit like it's done like we've canceled the party we are done everything is going to be back to normal and then it's mabel and you're like oh god damn it like why did you have to do that to me who they've like, been telling everyone died of a heart attack yeah because the they're like trying to keep it safe so at the mine the youths are now gathered drinking beer smoking cigarettes pre- presumably shotgunning maple syrup mm. doing some real canadian shit That's delicious one of the youth he goes back into the back of the rec room <laughs> where he's attacked by the miner and his head is shoved into boiling hot dog water Insert sexual joke here, audience. Uh, believe me, there's nothing I can say that you can't come up with a better thing to insert there. That has to be the worst way to die. Drowning with boiling hot dogs. Boiled hot dogs are the worst fucking thing in the world. Sure. I used to eat them growing up as a kid. Watching this scene, I was more traumatized by yeah, the yeah, hot yeah. dogs than the melted man's face as yeah. like getting dunked in. I, I honestly, I think one of my biggest fears is there's another movie. I can't think of what it's called, but it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that takes place at a hockey rink. And there's a guy who of has course. his face put in like a, a, a deep fryer of French fries. Like the, like being put into boiling liquid, I think is my biggest fear. Well, hold on. Is JCVD, is he, is he French or is he Canadian? He's Belgian. So Belgian. French, he's more French. <laughs> Fuck this guy. You don't yeah. get out of here. I would have respected more if he was Canadian. Just watching fucking Jean-Claude oh, Van Damme whoa, doing whoa, a split, whoa, whoa. fucking barreling down like a fucking big old jar of maple syrup. Look, this is your podcast, Cayman, but I will not allow Jean-Claude Van Damme slander here. I will Oh, just wait till we Jean-Claude. get to the Street Fighter episode. Uh, I will have some Oh, words. boy. That's going to be a nasty one. Well, a little bit of trivia for the folks at home. Actor Carl Merritt, who played the the man who gets his head slammed into a boiling water of hot dogs, uh, said that while in his death scene makeup, no one would eat lunch near him. And you <laughs> yeah, know what? No the, truth the, the truth of the matter is, I don't think it's the makeup. I think it's the fact you fucking smell like boiled hot dogs, yeah. you goon. Hot dog flavored water. The fuck out of here, bro. Fucking hot dog, Carl. Fucking loser outside of the police hot dogs that day outside of the police station the sheriff finds blood a bloody chocolate box being sniffed by a pack of dogs he shoes them away he reads the note attached to the box it says you didn't stop the party Dum dum dum. At the rec room, Axel gets a little too rough with Sarah, and TJ gets his ass kicked by Axel for interfering. Thick Stash, which we're going to refer to this character for the rest of the episode as Thick Stash. What a nice He's a man. hefty Canadian boy with easily one of the most gorgeous mustaches yeah. 
since like fucking Tom Selleck. Yeah. Like he he makes uh, Sam Elliott like gives him a good run for his money with that beautiful thick stash is. Mm-hmm. Thick stash breaks up the fight and Axel storms off. Sarah tells TJ to leave her alone and she walks off as well. And I want to say in this moment there's like a brief scene where a character mentions how he's snorting coke. Uh-huh. And you're like, "Oh, fuck yeah, like Canadians are getting down. They're doing, you know, some nose candy." No, this motherfucker's not snorting coke. He's legitimately snorting Coca-Cola. This from is Howard. The can. Howard. I'm honestly one of my favorite characters in the film. Uh, he's like the town clown. He's always oh, here yeah. to make people laugh. And my favorite thing about him, so I'm, I'm looking at him throughout the whole movie, and I'm like, there's something about you that feels familiar. I realize he is the guy who plays Neville Longbottom in Harry Potter if he was born in Canada. He's just this. How like, dare you speak about Neville in such a way? What I'm saying, there, he, this is no, this is like Dollar Tree Neville Longbottom. If he grew up oh. and knew he wasn't a hunk, if he wasn't again, a hunk, that's true. These people are adults, and he's like snorting Coca Cola. And there's okay, there's two moments. He's like, here it is on the left nostril, and then later he's like, and on the right nostril. Like, stop doing it at all. It's not. What it's is the point your of that? Brain, he's bud. he's Canadian Neville Longbottom that was dropped on his head as a baby. Yeah, it's That's been in a mind for far too long. Right. Do you think he was legitimately doing that on set? Like the whole reason they included it Probably. was because he was like just goofing off one day. He was like, hey, boys, look at me. I'm about to get in here. Going to fucking snort some Coca-Cola. Sorry. Is that your Canadian impression? That's the worst. Yeah. Look, guys, I'm not like. I'm. <laughs> okay. That's better than some of these actors trying to have a Canadian accent. So. Yeah, dude. T- T- TJ RIP. Um. His, his his accent it goes from like rest in peace let's bash him canadian to irish it just back and forth and it makes it so entertaining though i, I love it i'm not bashing it's that's hard to like, know what love. they're saying sometimes it is yeah that's fair so the next scene takes us to an intimate encounter with one of the miners and Ooh. a lady they mess around with the drying clothes hanging above he leaves to get more beers and she stays back at his insistence as she waits someone starts turning on all of the water faucets in the room and starts dropping all of the hanging clothes she panics and tries to flee she runs into the old man's dead body and is promptly attacked by the miner he picks her up and slams her head into a faucet impaling her her bow comes back with beer only to find her hung up with water pouring through her skull can i just say dope as fuck one of the coolest like spooky scenes I've ever seen. Like her walking around and there's just these like outfits just falling all around her. This like really claustrophobic. I was like, this is fucking awesome. This scene. Yeah. It's like, there's so many inventive scenes in this movie uh, that just don't get enough love. And I love it. There's Uh, also an interesting, mm -hmm. like little callback, physical callbacks and physical acting. When we first see that couple earlier in the film, the the boyfriend like picks her up by the head to kiss the her same way because he's like six five and i was like you don't pick up a woman by her head to kiss her but he did and then same exact <laughs> thing happens here and yeah. then, the iron and then it happens again to him but i will let you get to that caleb so rob stein the actor who plays john the bow in the scene said that the sequences in the locker room showers were cumbersome because the water, which appears hot on film, was actually frigid cold. Mm. Fans blowing steam into the scene also contributed to the cold. Which I have to say, like, one, like, the whole movie, it's 
they're all like you can see them breathing and you can see so it's already freezing where they are i mean it's canada, it's canada. So it's cold Amateur. and then just with that on top like i can, like you know we talked about in the troll 2 episode about like uh unions actors unions because of the kid having to stand for 14 hours in a plant pot like i feel like this is another actor abuse what? that like just goes completely unnoticed yeah so after that scene the youths decide after a few drinks to head into the mine for some additional parting, which is a solid fucking choice. Um, the film was shot actually in an authentic mine, uh, which were often as much as 900 feet underground. Only certain, certain lighting devices could be used in the mines because of the potential danger of a methane explosion. If this, wow. again, if this movie came out today, there would be like, all sorts of TikTok trends of like go find your local mine and go down in it and film a oh, dance. And then maybe we're doing it. Well, yeah, maybe we're doing a public disservice by doing this film because <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of kids who are going to now watch fucking uh, My Bloody Valentine and are going to now blow themselves up. Sure. By like seeing how, how much, what can you light inside of a mine? Ooh, so many Christ. OSHA violations in this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe 100%. that doesn't exist in Canada. So down in the yeah, mine. Maybe. Thick stash leads a group of the youths on a tour. He tells Adults. them that one portion. I, I of love that you mom. keep referring to them as youths. I, it really what else me. do you fucking refer to them as? Like, Adults. Okay. They're like full-time no. job. Okay. Okay. Keep it. I I I'm love it. It's just it's the children. Great. It keeps making me laugh. The so youths. down in the mine, thick stash leads a group of the youths on a tour. He tells them that one portion of the mine is off limits, and as it's been abandoned, two of the groups separate off. For some sensual touching. Now, because that's what I want to do in a mine. Right. There's a little bit of trivia here about the mine itself that I think is very interesting that you guys will appreciate. In an interview with TerrorTrap.com, uh, director George Mohawk said that the shooting location at Sydney Mines in Nova Scotia, so I was right, was chosen because of its rustic atmospheric appearance. However, when the locals found out that a movie was set to be shot there, they decided to spend $50,000 to have the mine painted and cleaned. This, of course, diminished the reason that the production wanted to use the location. So George Mohawk said that $75,000 of the film's budget was then used to return the wow. mine to its original state for shooting. So I have a you lot know, of the, questions here. The town probably has a real Mabel who is down there, like, scrubbing the walls, getting ready. How do for the you movie clean set? dirt? You don't. <laughs> you never like can. This, that, that is mind-blowing to me that they did that. Like, how how do you fucking clean a mine? Also, why does it take 25000 extra dollars to make it dirt again? <laughs> also, can I have that job? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can make some shit dirty. Hey. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, oh, I know exactly what you mean. Uh all right, back at the rec hall. <laughs> the moment. body of hot dog water boy is found, and the boyfriend to water faucet head comes running in with bad news as well. The rest of the group runs off in a panic to find the sheriff to tell them their friends have been murdered. Axel and TJ reconcile their differences, though, and head into the mine to try to save Sarah and the others. A group of the group of youths, mm -hmm. once again youths, Okay. Catch up to the sheriff and let him know that Harry Warden is killing people at the mine. He informs the mayor and tells him to round up every available man in town and to meet them at the mine. Now, we cut then to Thick Stash, Sarah, and two others as they go venturing into the abandoned part of the mine. 
TJ catches up with the group and tells them that Harry Warden is back and tells them to come back up top. Thick stash. Uh, meanwhile, TJ. his shirt is still half unbuttoned and the yeah. ascot is still on he with the mining gear. He is a sex icon. Yeah. Fucking honk. Right? <laughs> honk. Honk. Love him. So, so you guys Thick are stash. team TJ, not Axel. Oh, fuck Axel. Uh, no, yeah, Axel's a baby. bitch. You need that <laughs> no chest loser. hair. You of course you do, or the ascot. I mean, Axel yeah, really, doesn't wear an ascot at all during the film. So if yeah, TJ doesn't wear an threat. ascot. I might not be a team TJ, but the ascot really does that much for me. That's a, I'm such going a commitment to, to a choice. The next save try cinema shirts are just going to be team TJ shirts, and it's just going to mm. have an ascot. You should just uh, have ascots made that you wear, Ooh, or ascot save try cinema ascots. Fuck yes. So Thick Stash and TJ then break off to find the two missing friends and bring them back. Unfortunately. It's too late as both have been impaled by a giant mining drill. Now, a little bit of trivia about this mining drill scene. Originally, the death of Mike and Harriet was supposed to be shown on screen. The elaborate sequence showed the miner drilling an auger into the couple as they made love. However, as they drilled? Oh, yeah. A little drill on drill action. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, the MPAA rejected the scene outright and it was completely cut from the film. Unlike the other murder sequences, which were edited down, this scene has yet to be restored on uncut releases of My Bloody Valentine. So, as of Interesting this that episode, that's the one that gets mm-hmm. totally cut. I mean, we probably, we probably like, yeah, we probably like uh, saw yeah. the inside of his asshole or something. <laughs> with that's I mean, how it went if, in. If, yeah. if that's how <laughs> this <laughs> plays out. <laughs> If this how this plays out, this would not be the first asshole we've seen on Save Try Cinema. So, you know, that's, that's oh. what I've heard. I so. honestly, I blocked out so much of Samurai Cop and I just had a, a sense memory and I'm very oh, upset. Hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. Samurai <laughs> Cop, fantastic film. Watch it. Thick Stash is then attacked by the miner who loads a few nail gun rounds right. I have into to stop you here. Noggin. Sorry. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't say this on a recording, but. I felt like that was so satisfying, and I have always sort of wanted to do this. Oh, my. I feel like this would be, like, such a satisfying feeling of, like, shooting nail guns into, I don't know, flesh? Is that? I shouldn't say that, but yeah, anyway, I mean, I, this was one of my favorites because of that. Uh, you know, I'm definitely 100% not cutting this out, so. Oh, you should go on record. For I me. have thought about this before, so I just, it brought up. Pleasant memories for me. So. Okay, Google, <laughs> call the police. <laughs> hey Siri, um, please You're on my uh, list now. Please lock this chick up. Um, <laughs> so, Thick Stash is able to make it back with several nails in his head. BT Dubs. Oh, back still walking girl, around. Yeah, yeah. And Coke knows Howard uh, before he collapses <laughs> to his death. Coke knows Howard abandons the two girls in favor of saving his own ass. Which is honestly probably the most realistic thing that's happened so far in this film. Sure. Luckily yes. for them, Classic Axel Howard. shows up and escorts them back to the elevator. TJ intercepts them, but Mike clobbers him with a log. Actually, Mike, I don't think there's any character named Mike. I don't know why it says Mike. I think it was definitely Axel, Axel yeah. who hits him. Sorry, guys. Uh, this is a terrible, terrible editorial so part online. Uh, he brushes it, it off. Like he does. He 100% seems like a mic. Uh, TJ brushes it off, and the four of them opt to leave the others behind and to just escape the mine at all costs. The crew get to the elevator to find that the control panel has been smashed. They oh, opt smart. now to climb the world's longest ladder 
which proves to be a wonderful fucking idea. Go figure. Not only is it the like such a tall ladder they're having to climb up, but the annoying ass friend who acts like she doesn't know how to climb up a ladder. I, I was like, just push her down. I mean, I'm ready for her to well, die at this point. Like, in her defense, she is Thick Stash's girlfriend. Um, and so she is traumatized. If someone were to load my fiance's head full of nails, I'm pretty sure I would be pretty distraught too. Sure. Then again, I also Sydney think Sydney is would the kind of person, how. by the way, who would survive the movie. <clears throat> so I don't think that that would happen. Oh yeah, no, you're you're right. I would be thick stash. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. I wouldn't uh, be thick stash. I would be really sad, disgust stash. I think you might be hot dog boy. Oh fuck off, man! There's no fuck you. That's it, evicted. Shave, look, shave the mustache, and you're you're thick stash. There, there's several grow back characters like I can see you in, Cayman. Oh, Jesus. All right. We're moving on. I can several also see you as Ladder Girl, too. Oh, fuck Ooh. you. Sorry. Moving I love you, on. But... Okay. No. You know what? No. <laughs> Unfriended. All right. While climbing the ladder, Coke Nose Howard comes careening off the top. It appears as though he was hung because uh, his head definitely just rips right off of his yeah. body. Uh, they opt to not go any further, which is a smart idea, and head back down to find an alternate exit route. On the way, the group seemingly loses Axel after he falls into a bottomless water pit. Yet I'm not 100% sure because the scene is which easily we don't probably see. the worst in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I understand why it happens, but yeah. it doesn't really work the way I think they intended it to. It's um, just like, bloop, oh, he's gone. Let's keep going. Yeah, TJ is just kind of like you just see the like the light going into the water, and they're like, "Go save him." He's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do that." <laughs> and they're just kind of like, "All right, fuck it." Axel's dead. Moving on. So TJ tells the girls to go to a certain direction, and he's gonna go a different way. There's no explanation as to why they do that, but they do. On their way, Thick Stash's girlfriend is sneak attacked by the miner, and he takes a pickaxe and kicks her right in the gut with it. Finally. Which I have to say, about fucking time she dies. Because she was... No tears her- over that one. Yeah, she was She was very much easily the one of the hardest to sit through. Not that she was particularly bad. It was just her character at that point needed to go. Yeah. She overstayed her welcome probably by an extra five minutes. Outside of the mine, the sheriff and convoy arrive. TJ catches up to Sarah... And the true two try to flee. Unfortunately for them, the miner is in tow right behind them. They all get into a mine car whilst being chased by the miner. TJ and the miner then have a duel with a shovel and pickaxe and potentially the slowest fight next to Yamashita and Samurai Cop. That whole sequence of them climbing through the mine carts and then the fight really is like the slowest. Like, come on. I understand that you guys are probably actually climbing across mine carts and it was maybe very difficult, but I'm like, you guys would have been so dead by now. Yeah, they also, really need to just like speed it up. Yeah. They start throwing heavy, sharp objects up against the balancing uh, walls of a mine. That is probably not smart. Let's do well, what we can to destroy what's holding <laughs> up our safety a, at this there point. There is a reason why. The sheriff and the posse are heading into the mine as well and aren't far off. The two continue their duel, but their fight begins to threaten the integrity of the mine shaft since they have Stormtrooper aim when swinging. <laughs> sure. Sarah then pulls off the miner's mask to reveal that, no, it isn't Harry Warden after all, but it's actually Axel. 
And like all, by the way. Cayman, yeah. you've seen this movie multiple times <clears throat> times yeah. before. Does the timeline actually add up that Axel could have been doing all this? Because in hindsight, I'm like, I don't know that yeah. this actually works. I wondered the same um, thing. Honestly, I mean, I've like I've said, I've seen it several times. It's kind of one of those movies I watch every Valentine's Day. Um, and it, it it's not far off. Sure. I mean, there's a couple okay. of points that are a little iffy that you could be like, there's no way he had enough time to be up the ladder. That's probably we the should one. investigate yeah. this? the latter like, one specifically. Oh, yeah. We should investigate this like when we cook our chickens in the dryer. <laughs> yes. How long does list. it take to climb the world's tallest ladder <laughs> and then climb back Hang down someone, climb back down, and then go back up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So how he pulls that off, I don't know. So there's a couple of iffy parts. So through a flashback, we see that Axel is actually one of the, the son of one of the supervisors that Harry Warden killed. And not only that, but he witnesses the murder in person and like this is when actually when the movie starts to not work for me like yeah. ultimately i liked everything else leading up so much that i do think this is a really fun movie but like from this point on i kind of start to, to actively dislike the choices they're making it, it feels a little rushed at the end like the explanations not okay really but this particular out. flashback i really enjoy like i got some shining moments from mm. this sure. i don't know any technical terms about making a movie but the cutaways mm. from seeing him as a kid he's all sad to his dad back to he's covered in blood under the bed i thought that was kind of terrifying. sure mm. so the two of them continue to fight and due to the structural integrity getting absolutely fucked, the mine collapses and ends up trapping Axel. The sheriff and the mayor exposition dump about, about all of the history of Axel and Harry Warden and whatnot, while the posse tries to dig up Axel's body. Sarah then runs back to find him and grabs onto his arm. Unbeknownst to everyone at the time, Axel is actually chopping his own arm off 27, 127 hours style. <laughs> With his arm missing, he was able to free himself from the debris and then flees into the mine, singing a song about meeting Harry while cackling to himself. Suddenly a psychopath. Like and he's like, held it together this whole time. Yeah. And, and now loses his mind. And then credits. And I'm like, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, the ending just really didn't work for me. I, I, I would love to see like a reimagining of this movie that kind of stays true to the original director's vision. And it's not just like a totally different remake and then just address a different ending. So fun fact about this, actually, uh, star Neil Affleck, no relation to Casey or Ben Affleck, um, who plays the character of Axel said that the identity of the film's killer was kept a secret, even from the cast. Because the filmmakers liked the idea of the mystery being real among the actors. However, Affleck figured out that he was the killer when, after being cast, he was sent to the makeup effects department to be fitted for a fake arm that would be ripped off uh, in the killer, ripped off of the killer in the film's finale. So I feel like they didn't like that's a pretty pretty big oversight to be like, hey, we're not going to tell anyone who the killer is. By the way, can we get a fake arm for you for a <laughs> also variant of the film where you're going to be dressed exactly like the killer? But yeah, also I don't think they should keep it from everybody. Like the killer should know oh, he's I the killer love because that. well, well, the killer should know he's the killer, but everyone else I don't think needs to know. But because mm. if you're the killer, your choices would need to be like influenced by that because you're actively killing people in the town 
You know what I mean? Like, so as an act, like as a character and as an actor, you would need to know that you're killing people or else you might make different acting choices. So here's a little bit of an interesting bit of trivia. So when the credits roll, there's actually a folk ballad that plays over the ending credits. Which let's just take a moment of silence for this song that starts it's playing. Fucking, it's fucking awesome. I just, love this song. It slaps. It's a Barry Ward. It is <laughs> a banger. It's a banger. It's a uh, slanger. Slanger. It's a slanger. <laughs> yeah. So the the folk ballad that plays over the ending credits was actually added by composer Paul Zaza as an afterthought. The uncredited singer who does the vocal for the ballad was Scottish Canadian tenor John McDermott, hmm. which leads me to a weird question: Are we sure that they aren't using Irish accents? Oh, but are maybe. These Scotch. Is that a Canadian? thing? Scottish? Yeah. I don't know the difference. Is that bad? I don't think so. But that would make sense so. if that's a yeah. thing. I don't know if it's a thing. Yeah. Well, Sorry, either way, Canada. the film comes to its grand conclusion. We find out that Axel is indeed the killer. Harry Warden has been dead for five years. And presumably, Axel is now off in the world doing his own thing just without an arm. No, he's stuck in the mine. Like, and I wonder, do they go to work tomorrow? Like, do they just keep him in there? What happens I mean, next? What does he care when he's down there? I mean, he's also got one fucking arm. He's going to bleed. Well, there's plenty death. of dead people down there to eat, so. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, we've finished up with the movie, and we're moving on to our time-honored tradition of going over a little trivia. So, Patrick, would you yes, do sir. us the honor and lead us through? Yeah. So, first piece of trivia, Quentin Tarantino was named, has named, excuse me, my Bloody Valentine as his all-time favorite slasher film. There we go. Any more need any more reason to watch the film outside of us spoiling the whole thing for you? Guess what? Tarantino loves it. See, he must be referring to the uncut version because it didn't seem very slashery to me having watched the cut version. Sure. Um, George Mahalka, the uh, director, approached Paramount in 2001 with a synopsis for a sequel, but because it had poor box office records with the original film, they declined, which I think was a mistake uh, and then also it in 2009 mistake. my bloody valentine 3d was released to capitalize on the 3d movie resurgence the film stars jensen ackles and was directed by patrick lucier otherwise known as the guy who brought the nick cage trash piece drive angry to life which <clears throat> i have to say drive angry is like one of my favorite nick cage films it is Outside of like uh, one of your favorites. Yeah. One of my favorite. Believe me, Nick Cage makes some fucking wild movies. Drive Angry is like it was like the beginning. Like Nick Cage has had obviously has had a, a resurgence the past few years with uh, Willie's Wonderland, with Mandy, with Prisoner of Ghostland, Pig. Um, Drive Angry was like the first film that he did that was like there they realized that nick cage is a lunatic a full-fledged <laughs> fucking lunatic and we're like you know what fuck it let's actually let him just be himself for once sure and then like all of a sudden he just starts making all these movies because people are like fuck it we should just cast him as himself and let him go loose and drive angry is one of those films where it is just batshit crazy and i love it well now that we've done through trivia, let's move on to our final thoughts. As always, final thoughts, we do a rating of one to five, with one being I strongly do not recommend this absolute hog shit trash pile of a film going all the way up to level five, which is I really strongly recommend this amazing film. It is indeed a trashter piece. So starting with you, Patrick, why don't you give us your rating? One to five. I 
uh, I put this strongly at a four. Um, it's not, oh. it doesn't quite hit the trash piece level for me. Um, yep. mostly because I think the ending leaves me wanting more, but sure. I genuinely had a great time watching this. And I think, uh, I would recommend that you watch this movie. All right. Now, Taylor, give us your final thoughts. One to five. Only worthy of fives. I hard disagree with Patrick. The nail gun scene alone, like sure. I said, speaks to me, but hey. Totally a five. A five without the extra three minutes, too, by the way. Sure. So really, that Hell takes yeah. it over over the top. Well, I'll come in as well, and I'll stop right in between both of you with my own rating because I make the rules and no yep. one else does with a 4.5. I absolutely love my bloody Valentine. I feel like Patrick is right. There, The ending feels a bit rushed. Um, I wish there was a little bit more there to give us some more explanation on how Axel ended up it'd been really cool if they were to have done like a montage um where it showed Axel like actually killing oh, people right, I right. think that that would have added a sure. lot to the film um but honestly like it this is especially the 93 minute version if you want more gore in your horror film even if you don't it, I feel like it's wonderful because you have both options if you are a gore hound the the uncut version is fucking great. There's some incredible scenes. If you aren't, you want your your horror films to be a little bit more ambiguous. You have that option as well. Yeah. So I think that that definitely elevates the film as a whole. I would also have really liked like once we find out that it's Axel in some sort of a flashback capacity showing us why he started doing it now. Like why today? Like why was it this? Was it the whole TJ situation? Was it something yeah. different? I would have really loved to see like what was it that caused him to finally be like, you well, know what? Wasn't this this the is first, the year. This was the first time doing the dance in 20 years, right? So was yeah. it because they were celebrating again? He's got to teach him a lesson. I don't Maybe, know. Maybe, but, but, but he wasn't, we don't know. Warden. He was Axel. So like, yeah. it could have been the fact that like all this happened on Valentine's day. Yeah. And so he is too, as well. He is traumatized by the holiday yeah. itself. And we refer to it as a holiday, even though, it's fucking Valentine's Day. It um, redefined Valentine's Day for it, us. It's, it's now the holiday, the yeah. next holiday season. Can but I? I do. I like it. I like the the. the I like the him being the killer. Um, there, if you are interested in watching the 2009 remake, it is not a bad film at all. However, uh, it, it has a completely different ending, um, and so there they are two very distinct interesting. Films. Um, I am privy enough to own a copy of the film, obviously. Um, and of my course. copy is in 3D. Ooh. So I actually get to wear the really cool 3D glasses when wearing it. So like the Scion and Reds, uh, which is pretty dope. Uh, but with that being said, can if I... you are interested, um, you can buy... Show up at your house? Yeah. <clears throat> you can it? show up at my house and watch it with me. Or okay. you can purchase it yourself on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm... Someone correct me. Is the uncut version on Amazon Prime as well? I didn't find no. it on Amazon Prime. It's not? Okay. So the the only way that you can watch the uncut version is to buy it through Screenbox. You can get it on either DVD or on Blu-ray. YouTube also um, has a video that has like all the scenes together that you missed. Oh, nice. Okay. So yeah. So if you are interested, there are multiple ways that you can watch the film. Um, I want to say that, that My Bloody Valentine 3D is actually streaming for free on Amazon Prime at the moment of the time that we were releasing this. So that could change at any point in time in the future. Nice. Um, however, both are fun films, highly recommended. I think all three of us can agree that, that um, my ability Valentine, the 1981 
version is a wonderful movie uh, that is in need of more appreciation. Uh, so please do yourself a favor and enjoy the film as well. So moving on, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on today's episode. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here, and we aren't beggars, but we are beggars. So please oh, yes. share the fuck out of this. Yep. Um, I have changed my mind on one thing, though. Um, do not tell your friend Keith about us. If anything, actively tell your friend Keith to not listen. Fuck Keith. Hashtag fuck Keith. We don't like him. We don't want him. If you're interested in video games, though, Check out our main podcast, the Spotlight Games Podcast, on all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel as well, so don't be a heathen. Watch us banter about video games there as well. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Cayman and Patrick at Patrick Schwag on our main podcast or our main podcast at Spot Games Pod on Twitter and Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. Like we said earlier in the show, if you want to be part of the show, whether it be a guest host or have a movie recommendation, you can reach us at savetrashcinema at gmail.com or savetrashcinema on all socials. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Taylor. Any last words that you have for the audience before we tell them adieu? Rest Thank in you, Mabel. peace, TJ. Rest, Rest in peace, TJ. TJ. TJ Remember, Mabel. five big box office, save Tri Cinema.